You are the brave, red pioneers of Mars. You do what we could not do. You suffer so that others will flourish. Always remember that obedience is the highest virtue. Investigators are focusing in on terrorist group the Sons of Ares, who's believed to be behind the bombing that claimed the lives of an entire mining crew and technician group yesterday. With winter well on the way, the drafters have a new favorite emerging. Darrow Al Andromedus and fellow House Dregs, the Howlers, led a punishing assault on Pat Al Telemannus and House Minerva today. We'll break it all down for you, coming up next. You're of use because you're more than a weapon. When your wife died, she didn't just give you a vendetta. She gave you her dream. You're its keeper. Welcome to Hail Reaper. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of Hail Reaper. My name is Philip, and this is my good friend Jeremy. Hello there, how are you? Today, we have a very special Red Rising creator and co-host from the very influential podcast, HowlerPod, our homie, Aaron Ayers. What's up, Aaron? Yeah, it's great to see your faces. I've heard your voices <laughs> plenty of time. And so this is the weirdest thing, because when we first met Ben and we heard him talk at us, that was like a jarring experience because... <laughs> He's got a pretty weird voice. So. Oh, that too. <laughs> I know that you talked about this on initial episodes of HowlerPod because Jeremy and I have listened. But how did you and Ben kind of get started with your journey uh, towards HowlerPod? So um, it was all Ben's idea. <laughs> he he and I had read a lot of the same books before, mm -hmm. and he is the one who told me about Red Rising. Um, so after I read, it was I think the first two books. Then I like had reread them before Morningstar. And then, you know, as it goes, you keep rereading. Mm -hmm. uh, ben realized I love the books as much as he did. Probably more. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a contest for sure. Right. He had listened to Binge Mode, um, mm -hmm. which I also listened to. And that kind of inspired us to look for a Red Rising podcast. When we found none, we were like, we could do it. Like, yeah. We've got these old mics from my parents. We can plug them in. And we hang out all the time anyway, so we might as well make something of it. Did you read the books in real time? Meaning like, were you reading them as they were coming out? Or did you yes. read them like, okay, so wow. So Jeremy and I figured we found Red Rising post the first trilogy being out. So we didn't get to have to wait that time. So how much time did you have to wait between like Golden Sun and Morningstar? I bet it was a year. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I've been agonizing. I always read either sagas or trilogies because I hate novels because I hate that the story ends so soon. I really like to spend time with characters. So mm -hmm. I was already waiting on a, fr a few Brent Weeks books to come out. So, you know, I was in between series. So dang, I'm so glad that Jeremy and I found this series, at least for the like, we had to wait for Dark Age and I had to wait a little bit for Iron Gold. But man, I would have been between books two and three. That must have been an agonizing wait. I know a lot of people did that, yes. but I just haven't thought about that and like how I would have handled that because I don't think I would have done a really good job. When Ben kind of introduced this and, and brought you into it, were you going to be ride or die? Like what happened if you didn't like the books? First of all, I like most things. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the critical one. OK, so if I figured if Ben liked it, then I would probably like it. 
and it was right in line. You know, I grew up with fantasy books and then, you know, I hate to say it, but I loved Twilight. I loved mm. Hunger Games, all the young adult. And I feel like uh, Pierce Brown's universe is kind of like a mature version of those for me now that I'm, you know, not in my teens or early 20s. So I knew, you know, Ben knew I would like it if he liked it. And then also my brother was reading him as well. So it's fun to have family members to talk with about the books. So what is it like that captures you about absolutely everything? Because you like everything in life. So, uh, <laughs> but more specifically about this book series, is it like, is it world building? Is it the ability of Pierce to write characters? Like, what is it that really draws you in? So one thing, and I, I've said this on Hallerpod, but one thing I prefer about Pierce's writing over some not to be named fantasy writers that I also read is that um, I don't feel pandered to. I don't feel like he's like spoon feeding anything. Um, he expects his readers to remember what he wrote in the previous book. So he doesn't mm -hmm. have to like retell the whole story at the beginning of each book, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Um, and then he, he keeps everything super fast. So um we we don't have to i don't know every all the action comes so fast that we can be at, amped up and like mm -hmm. stay at that level yeah and he just keeps crashing it into us whereas some uh other authors you know they drag out the middle parts so far mm -hmm. and i'm like let's just let's stop trying to make our books you know 900 pages and let's just get a good story and pierce does that you know, the word content creator is thrown around so much. And I just had this realization the other day that I guess I am one now. I don't know. Do you consider yourself to be a content creator or have you ever really thought about that? I guess I am. I, you know, <laughs> I do all the memes and stuff, but that's mostly just because I have the, I have Photoshop and the Adobe suite <laughs> Nice from work. So I have the, you know, ability to do those. Um, so that I would say that's more my hand in HowlerPod. Um, Ben does most of the, you know, audio work and the he makes the outlines. He tries to make me do things, <laughs> but then he just ends <laughs> up doing most of it. Um, so, yeah, I guess I would say where I feel like I'm a content creator is with the memes. And I love that now um, I feel like the meme game in the Red Rising universe mm -hmm. on all all the different groups on Instagram and Facebook the memes are fire. Everyone's got memes now. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a recent favorite meme that you've like that either you've loved or that's got a lot of traction. Um, so recently we've gotten out of the pure. Well, my favorites are ones that I Photoshop and I get like really into yeah. like deep Photoshop. I think my favorite was Pierce Brown's birthday post where I put him on a Pegasus. We're going to put a link to that in this episode then. I want people to see us. Because <laughs> that took me so long to make. And it, it it gets so creepy when you start cutting out someone's face <laughs> and then like getting like real zoomed in. <laughs> it gets very intimate. You've been at this for two years now, right? Like two years this winter? Yeah, because we started January 2018. Nope, 19. What year is it? 2019. Okay, but you were doing the book review. Like you would go through and take a couple chapters at a time and you would review the book so people could reread with you and you would discuss those like groups of chapters. And mm -hmm. then you moved on to now doing character studies and you were been through like it's 22 episodes and you're at the tail end of that. Yes. 
Which version of that have you enjoyed more? Is it the character studies or did you enjoy doing like the rereads? I personally enjoy the rereads more because then I also get to reread Red Rising again. Good call. Which I feel like it's been, I'm, I'm trying to time it out so that I can read back through all of them and then have book six come out like right when I finish Dark Age again. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely like diving in. I feel like with the character studies, you get it a little, but with the rereads, um, we really can focus a lot more attention on just how great of a writer Pierce Brown is. Yeah. And get into the story. I love the story. Do you have a recent favorite or just a favorite episode that you guys have done that you can point people towards like a Pallet Pod? Oh, man, that's a great one. I threw that at you like blindly. I know. I'd say, you know, let's see if I win my bet. There's a bet. We bet on this. No, I figured for sure it was going to be with Apollonius. I love Apple. She loves her some Apple. (laughs) I don't know. My favorite thing is to, you know, sit down on a Wednesday night with my best friend, Ben, and a glass of tequila and squirt. (laughs) 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 And just have have a good time hanging out, you know? Aw, so sweet. That's an adorable answer. Jeremy, do you have a favorite episode of HollerPod? Because I do. Oh man! Um, answer yours. Now I'm you, gonna think about it. Okay. Yeah. Now I, you have no, to I have will. a favorite. <laughs> yeah. Now no, I do. I do, and I'm so I'm putting everyone on the spot on this. Sorry, but I actually have one, and it was I really I even text Ben because I listened to it yesterday because you released it yesterday was the Alexander and Rona episode. I thought that was a really good conversation. I know I was on it towards the end, and that's not why. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I really thought that it was a very thought provoking conversation because those two characters are such linchpins for things that are that happened in that book and are going to happen in the second book or the sixth book, excuse me. And I just, it got my gears just like really turning, especially about Rona. And you guys are making predictions of where she's going to be and what could happen with her. And I don't know. I just feel like I never realized her character is probably going to have, I'm guessing is going to have so much to do with book six more than I, you think of all the big things that are going to happen, but I think we overlook Rona in that process. So I actually like that episode like a lot because it made me it, it forced me to think about so many future things. So I, I liked yesterday's episode like a ton. Thanks. It felt good when we made it. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to I'm just going to go with a recent one because it, it's most on my mind. But the, the Pax and Electra uh, episode. The kids. Um, and really, honestly, like more on the Electra side of it. You know, I, I favor Pax more than uh, as a character, but. Uh, I don't like to personally speculate because I don't want, I fear being wrong, but I really like uh, how you kind of, you got in that realm of it and, and really talked about uh, the Electra complex and what that could mean for book six. I thought that was a really good discussion. So, yeah, that was Heather coming in with the Electra complex. Heather, now, yeah, she's, I'm, now she's I'm going to diagnose people. Yeah. She, <laughs> the best moment where Heather balled out was like on, uh, I believe, I think she did like a Mustang episode with the Mustang episode where she just wrote like a, a full essay on Mustang. And it was like, oh, they're oh, they're all amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like so like beautiful. I was like, man, she like really thought about this. But then she goes to Princeton. Right. So it's like, oh, it yes. makes sense. It's like she's a brainiac. So it's like goodwill hunting, you know? Yeah. Not everyone can exactly fill out the math problem. <laughs> we need those people. So thank you. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we're going to talk about some of your favorite moments and scenes with inside the Red Rising book series.
We are back from break. We're gonna be talking with Erin about her favorite moments within Red Rising, not just book one, but books one through five. So if you've not read books one through five in, in entirety, I, I don't want any spoilers here for you guys. So I uh, might wanna turn off the podcast and come back after you read the fifth book or at least through the fifth book because we don't wanna spoil anything for anybody. Just letting that out there right now. Erin, you gave us three of your favorite, from each book, three of your favorite moments. And I yes. don't I don't know where to start. I think I'm just gonna start with, obviously we'll start with book one. And I think that I do wanna talk about the first thing is you said you Darrow's transformation slash like the training with the OG crew. And I want so that's essentially the carving, correct? Yes. So why do you like that scene and that kind of moment so much within like the greater story? Because a lot of people kind of think that it's boring. Um, I like it because Pierce shows his ability to do like intense research and kind of get scientific with his writing. Um, the way he goes into like how they catch Darrow up on, you know, thousands of years of history, the mm. correct history and how he like sleeps with, I call them the like, cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he wakes up basically knowing all the history. And then I love all the training um, with harmony and getting his body in shape. And then also um, his like etiquette training. Mateo, I, I, I just, Mateo I like, coming in. All right. I like the, um, I like to see the growth and how he gets there. And Pierce really walks us through that. And I also like um, seeing Darrow's not only fighter side, um, but you see that he really cares for low colors. He sees um, Mateo as a friend. He sees Mickey as a friend. Um, and he's really clearly the best person for the job yes he sees everyone as worthy of his respect and friendship you also mentioned that another favorite moment from uh red rising was of course storming olympus so uh, you have Hell to address yeah. i mean is there much more to say <laughs> but i want i want to give you the opportunity to talk about why you like it so much so my favorite scenes in all the books from pierce are the action-packed ones um like i said earlier he he's so good at momentum and getting you like physically hyped up and like feeling like you're also fighting. Um, and I just, I love the, that Darrow can get revenge and redemption when he, he takes Mount Olympus, he kills the proctors, he ties them up to, and um, he can just show that, that his training and everything he worked for um that's kind of where it comes to fruition in that book. Like we see him triumph. It almost has a different pacing to it. And this is one thing that, that Philip pointed out that he really enjoyed is um, you kind of really, that first person perspective of the story uh, really just gets heightened and, um, and kind of takes over. And, and you almost have the, that adrenaline and, and testosterone kind of running through your system right along with Darrow as he kind of storms the hallways and things like that. It's, it is a really good moment. I, I completely agree with you. I'm and full then, of testosterone. Yeah, she's yes, so full exactly. of it. <laughs> well, he, I think you're, I know you're referencing Darrow is full of it. And I guess, yes, so yes. not necessarily like a reader. By proxy, yeah. Aaron can experience testosterone through Darrow. I am also full of it. <laughs> Darrow is in all of our hearts in that moment. I, um, that's I right, shot it exactly. up. And then also, I mean, we get the kiss, right? Like, ooh, like gets when the studio audience goes, ooh, when the uh, Mustang finally, and uh, Darrow finally kissed there. That's a good moment. Um, let's go ahead and yes. jump to Golden Sun, though. Okay. I, 
you have a couple here that are really obvious, but I do want to, I want to ask about two of them specifically. Okay. But the first one I want to ask about is meeting Ragnar. I know this is significant in hindsight, but the initial meeting you, you says this is, you said this is one of your favorite moments. So why is the, like the initial contact with Ragnar such a big thing for you? So, um, this is also action packed, but yes. this is where we see Darrow, um, reaching out for help to all the low colors. He speaks over the calm, like I could vent you to space, but I, I can't because I actually need your help. And mm -hmm. this is where he empowers everyone to rise up. Um, and that's then when we hear from Ragnar, you know, he, he calls Darrow and the first thing we hear, are you a God? Yeah. <laughs> and Darrow's literally like pissing himself and all the blue colors like, oh my God, it's the stained. Um, and just the buildup to meeting Ragnar. First, we hear his bold voice. Um, we see the blue shaking. Everyone's freaked out. And then we have during this conversation, you know, we have the door being cut open. Darrow and several are ready to basically die because it's just them um, about to fight all these golds. Then Ragnar comes, destroys everyone, gets stabbed and cut everywhere. And then he's the one who comes through the door. It's just like epic on epic best entrance ever <laughs> have you done the audiobooks i think you have right yes because i know you've done a couple of the voices and, and they're very similar to how tgr does them oh hell yeah his ragnar is absolutely impeccable and amazing the best that philip and i could really figure out is it's an icelandic accent i believe he's trying to do some sort of icelandic accent yeah aaron do your best ragnar for us <clears throat> hold on <laughs> i can't talk low enough will you accept these stains God child. <laughs> That's pretty good. There you go. <laughs> I'm a soprano. I can't. <laughs> Maybe Mathar can lower that an octave in post. <laughs> oh, please. Appreciate it. Will you accept these stains, God child? The other moment you said is the gala. And then that's obviously one of the biggest moments in Golden Sun. And But the thing about it is that's interesting is that you specifically said stomping on the table. <laughs> So I love the entrance. Darrow, you know, he's having this moment, which was annoying, where he was listening to Harmony and about to blow everyone up. And we're like, wow. Harmony, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> she's a B. And finally, he makes the right decision. So there's that relief. And then he's, this is when he, you get your testosterone, Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> he gets all amped up, comes back in jumps up on the table. He's like, you stole my girlfriend, prepare to die. Um, <laughs> kicks over the mashed potatoes. And then of course the actual duel. So it's all the buildup and then the duel action. The grandiose. Yeah. It's so much fun to like, I like, he does mention that cause he's wearing my heavy military boots and he's stomping on stuff and he, yeah. the, okay. So the baller move though is kicking the wine decanter into Cassius's lap at the end of Tipping that. It. Yeah, and just so, like, oops. I can just imagine it like, <laughs> that's so baller, I love that. Is, Jeremy, is the aftermath of, uh, of the gala is still considered the gala scene? Because I was like cringing over here, you guys kept talking about stomping and I couldn't help but think about oh. like the fall family, oh, stomping stop. on kids' heads. No, so yes. that's, we don't I talk mean, like that part. It's we don't part of it. I know. I, it's still it's, technically part of the gala scene, right? I, I think so. I think the gala scene yeah. doesn't end until 
really for me it doesn't end until uh he goes and hangs out with octavia and plays the oracle game okay like it it really because it just it's in the same like space and the same like chaos is ensuing and like aaron just said snowballing yeah the book Um, just flows like crazy though so it's hard to tell when when's the things end and start let's jump to morningstar this is the the epic conclusion of the first trilogy uh you have okay so another thing that i guess maybe maybe i'm speaking i'm speaking for myself but kidnapping quicksilver as a favorite moment i am i found that to be that's a hard it's a hard part of the book for me to read because it shows how Severo and darrow are at such odds at that point and i have a yeah, hard time they're, and they're I, fighting but i know you are you're a big Severo fan so why do you like that scene because essentially it highlights the the contrast between the two characters and how different they are in that moment so what about it do you like so much so i i love the um where they infiltrate quicksilver's house lair i think of it as like a new york city high rise yeah exactly (laughs) um so they infiltrate it's all the james bond stuff love that and then i love when they bust in the drawer and we see who's inside we see cassius mustang the telemannuses moira and then the whole fight ensues then you know the robot comes in spoiler by the way the gravity shifts, everyone slams to the floor, and Ragnar is the only one strong enough to, you know, shoot the windows out, and then Holiday catches them. It's just like momentum. Yes. So that's what I mean about kidnapping Quicksilver. That whole sequence, though, is tough for me because shrouded behind all that is just like how Severo and Darrow just aren't on the same page, and that just rubs me the wrong way. He seems very petulant. I think I kind of sync up with Aaron on this as well. I, I love the action part of it. I mean, Ragnar's pretty badass, and just the fact that he can withstand all the pressure, you know, unlike everybody <laughs> else, just... Because you always think of, like, you know, the Golds as, as the strongest, you know? Yeah. But but clearly, Ragnar is is an exceptional uh, man himself. and Super stained. Super stained. <laughs> I like that. Super stained. I, that's what I look at him as, yeah. Okay, let's go on. And you have, so you have the fighting, the sword armada, and then you have mm-hmm. the whole ending with Cassius and the surprise switch. Um, you, we have the to talk about ending. that. The whole ending. The whole ending. No, but it's true and it's valid because that has to be like, if you told me, if someone said, I read all three of the first Red Rising books and said, I didn't really care for like the ending of the of that, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like, I wouldn't want to be that person's friend if they didn't like <laughs> yeah. that. So, um, but I mean, I do want you to kind of address like where are you with Cassius essentially because such a divisive character and he makes mm-hmm. the he where are you with him po- pre that decision were you a because fa- Ben I know you're you're like on Hellerpod he always talks about how big of a fan he was but for you were you a big Cassius fan or did you switch like at that moment did you switch like a lot of us did uh, I'd say the latter you know I'm a sucker for the protagonists and I'm on their side 100 percent so when Cassius wasn't on our side i was not a fan (laughs) i kind of appreciate that his character ebbs and flows back and forth throughout the series i and i look forward to kind of book six speculation on what will cassius be will he stay you know where he currently is or go another direction i'm on team aaron for this one i hated cassius this and then (laughs) (laughs) i didn't say i hated him i actively did not like cassius and then all of a sudden he he turns in that moment in the throne room, essentially, whatever you want to call it, you know, and then he's like on our side, like you just said. And I'm like, yes, that's my guy. That's my guy right there. Like Cassius. <laughs> it's the best heel turn like ever. Okay. So do you want to just wax poetic about Apollonius for a little bit? Yeah. We're going to clear out. We're going to leave and we'll come back in about five minutes <laughs> okay. after you're done talking about Apollonius. <laughs> okay. 
I'm not a sucker for baddies normally, but Apple's charm within his evilness, but also he's so poetic and, you know, he's ripped. He's got a great ass, obviously. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> he can play the violin. That's sexy. Mm. And then just him spewing Latin verse at everyone and just the Venusian way of speaking. Mm -hmm. Just, I really love how grandiose everything about him is. So Apple, he's like, it's interesting because he has this like this mix because he's, he's certainly this man of absolute high class. Like you talked about Aaron, but at the same time, he is a baddie, you know, he has that, mm -hmm. that kind of deep seated, almost evil to him that, that kind of extends throughout his family line. Um, I don't, yeah, as far as like really enjoying him though, I don't know if I'm completely on board with you uh, on this one, uh, but I will say that his violin playing is sexy. I, I will say that. I kind of think he's for the ladies a little bit. I think I, I in a weird way, like I- I'll take it. <laughs> do, would he be Would he be like on the front cover of like a romance book? Hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cassius <laughs> is too, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the word is, but he's kind of divisive within the story. So you can't really fully like him. Mean, he's not all the way to one side or the other. Apple is clearly on his own side, but he's such a unique character in Pierce Brown's space because there's no one like him. Cassius would have become someone more like Apple if he had not lost Julian and if he had grown up like winning the Institute, doing things that should have happened in his life, if not for Darrow. Yeah. And I feel like he was on his way to that kind of pixie lifestyle and Apollonius was living the pixie lifestyle before he was in deep grave. So yeah. I can say that because now he's prime. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you on Tharsis? First of all, I thought that Apple killed him, but I guess I'm wrong. Maybe I just wished it. Yeah. At the end of <laughs> Iron Gold, he was like, yeah, I, I need you. But it's like, oh, my gosh, like he's got to freaking kill him. But he doesn't. But you think he's going to in that I little I feel sequence. like he will eventually. Or maybe we just put him in the background. But he is a total pixie. Yeah. Yeah. I think and well, he has a little belly. He has a paunch belly as described by Pierce, right? And like Pierce describes pixies as in Red Rising, we see... Um, when Daryl first sees Mars, we see the um, yes. golds floating around with wine bottles and, you know, dripping yeah, sex. And they're just, those are the pixies. That was referencing that chapter that I loved, like that my favorite chapter of Red Rising when you see the surface. But yet the first thing we see like from gold is those that it's that one young man and the four women like chasing him. And they're like wearing uh -huh. almost no clothes and they've got wine bottles and they're like laughing. And it's like, and the contrast of Daryl's world. fun. Yeah. I just want grab boots. <laughs> I just really want. Right? Yeah. If I could, uh, if I could have a razor and grab boots, I think my life would be pretty much complete. You would kill I'll yourself with either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> with grab boots or a razor? Either. Yeah. I think you'd fly really high and then like somehow forget how to keep them on and just fall to the earth. Fly so high in mud you lie. Oh, Carnus. <laughs> I do want to ask about Cassie's in the bleeding place. Like why this is something favorite for you? Because I find this really sad. Like just, I know it's action oriented because you and you like action scenes. Yes. It's a very somber action scene. So what about that kind of like grabs you? This shows, first of all, Cassius's, his deep seated ability to just show honor. And even though he's in this horrible situation and it is sad because he's getting cut up, he still holds his own. And then just, you know, the speech, obviously. Yes. My name is Cassius and my honor remains. 
even though he's dying, he's still killing Moonies left and right. And he still holds his honor. And I think this really, really impacts Diomedes. And this is why we still have Cassius because he's showing like pure iron gold honor in this moment. Okay, last book. You gave us five favorite moments from Dark Age. There's so many main characters, first of all. And it's a long book too, so it makes sense. It's a super long book. And then I probably could have kept going. It's also freshest on my mind. Well, you've been talking about it for a while on Halipod because you that was the most recent reread. And then recently you've done two podcasts in a row that are really Dark Age centric with the character studies. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. I want to talk about the fifth thing you have here, though. Okay. You said, I love Sunbloods, and that's it. (laughs) Are you a horse fan? Yes. Yeah. So my parents have two horses, and so I grew up riding horses. I didn't go to Girl Scout camp. I went to horse camp with my horse. Did you jump? No. So I I was always a Western rider. Oh, cool. Like Mm -hmm. barrel racing and things like that? Nope. Just pleasure going out in the fields. Gotcha. Okay. You know, I had some almost death moments. As a kid <laughs> on, on horses. One time I fed a horse a carrot and it bit my finger and then I haven't touched a horse since. You got to do the, <laughs> the flat hand. Everyone knows that. No, I actually love horses. I think they're beautiful, awesome animals. And I would want to ride one given the chance, but I would not want to ride a Sunblood. Oh, I would. I would. They're smart. They're huge. It's like riding an elephant horse. I don't know. That seems like really intimidating. <laughs> but they're like on your team. They're like a soldier with you. It's true. I would definitely ride a Sunblood. Put me on one. Maybe we can just tape two horses together and then call it a Sunblood <laughs> and then you can ride it. And my horse, Skippy, he's 16 hands, which is pretty tall. Um, and I'm I'm 5'9", I'm pretty tall, and I still have trouble jumping on his back bareback. I have to like really jump. Dang. So I couldn't jump on a Sunblood. Okay. I cannot add any more to horse conversation because I have know nothing about horses. So I'm going to awkwardly <laughs> pivot back to Dark Age. Okay, sounds great. Do it. <laughs> I thought you were a pretty big Lysander hater. Am I wrong? I, I swing both ways. Okay. So when I'm in Lysander's mind, like I see where he's coming from. So even though he is a bad guy to me, he still is struggling with childhood abuse with, yes. you know, becoming his own man. The reasons I don't like him are because he's space racist. He didn't listen to Cassius, almost got him killed, which <laughs> is like a big no-no. And then just, you know, obviously he kills Alexander. <laughs> so yeah, all minor things against him, really. <laughs> yeah, just little tiny things. Not a strong case. I wasn't originally on board with Mind's Eye just because it felt convenient when I was first mm-hmm. reading Dark Age. Um, but then when you go back and read back through Iron Gold and Dark Age, you're like, oh, Pierce did give us breadcrumbs for this. Mm-hmm. It didn't just pop out of nowhere. And it does feel once, like that, though, initially. Yeah. Once I got used to the idea, then it seemed pretty cool. It's kind of like the force, you know, you have to learn to use it. What kind of speculation do you have toward book six in the mind's eye? Do you think it's going to be like really prevalent? I do. Um, because we get breadcrumbs leading up to it with Apple. That's terrifying. Oh, do you think he's going to teach Apple? I, why, why wouldn't he uh, at this point? Because Lysander's a good guy. That's why. No, oh my gosh, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> this whole book series has been about Lysander. Ben and I are together on this. so I don't know if Ben thinks Lysander's a good guy. Well, okay. I, I may have overstated it just slightly. 
I'm going to have to unfriend Ben if he thinks that. Oh, my gosh. Aaron, can you go ahead and just kind of tell us how people can listen to HowlerPod? So we're on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search HowlerPod. And then we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Etsy. And our website is HowlerPod.com. And our email is HowlerPod at gmail.com. Thank you again, Aaron, for coming on. We just really appreciate HowlerPod in general, both you and Ben, for just how welcoming you guys have been to us. Definitely. And just helping us out whenever we need it. Thank you, guys. Uh, It was an honor. This is my second time being a guest, (laughs) but it makes me feel like a baby celebrity. So thank you so much. Best feeling ever. I look forward to COVID being over. So then next time I'm in California, we're hanging out. For sure. Yeah, come through. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. And hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. What's up? Thanks to Pierce Brown for writing the beloved Red Rising series. A special thanks to Tim, our engineer and sound designer. Check out his music on Spotify by looking for the link in our podcast description. And thanks to all our contributors who made this show possible. If you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review us on your respective podcast platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Hail Reaper Pod, and you can email us at hailreaperpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, please take a look on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Hail Reaper. Until next time, for my co-host Philip, I'm Jeremy. Thanks for listening.